0: Hello and welcome to Cinema in Context, as we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name's Jeremy Darling. I'm Max Tarrant, and I'm Sarah Watt. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films: one current and one retrospective, with some kind of connection. It could be the same director or lead actor, or similar theme. And this month, we are discussing Train Spotting, which came out uh, 1996, and T2 Train Spotting, which came out in the last week. And the connection being they're both directed by Danny Boyle, they both star the same actors, and hey, it's a sequel. T2 is <laughs> a sequel of Spotting* 1. Uh, so
1: yeah, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown, Sarah, on Trainspotting? Trainspotting came out in 1996. Um, it was Danny Boyle's uh, second film after Shallow Grave, and um, it, was, it starred Ewan McGreg- McGregor, um, who had been in Shallow Grave, but if you'd missed that film, this was pretty much a breakout role for him. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller, who was um, at the time just married to a young ingenue called Angelina Jolie um, and uh, a couple of other up-and-coming actors and the film's basically, uh, it's based on the novel by Irvine Welsh, which is written very, very much in a Scottish vernacular, like literally on the page that makes it incredibly difficult to read uh, and to understand. And it's kind of um, an episodic film, as the book is episodic, around the lives of five junkies, uh, heroin addicts, living in Edinburgh, um, in the at, at around the same time period. So the the early to mid '90s.
0: Excellent, and Max, can you want to give us a rundown on the latest addition to this? I guess we can call it a franchise,
2: can't we? Feels I guess 2 the makes heroin a franchise, the addiction franchise. Uh, uh. T2, transporting. So T2 comes out. 2016, 20 years later, sorry 2017, but practically 20 years later. Um, This is Danny Boyle come through after winning uh, Best Picture and Best Director for Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, He's got a few more films under his belt, many of which have been um, big successes. Sunshine, uh, we've got 28 Days Later, later, we've got 127 Hours. Um, So some major films. Um, And his chops are very uh, strong Mm -hmm. in this film, Um, but it's got a lot of the same themes, obviously. We're interested in how he's dealt with this connection when it's 20 years later, Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what we think about it. Yeah, and interestingly,
0: and I didn't realise this until I started watching some of the interviews around the film, but they had a falling out, Mm. Danny Boyle and Ewan McGregor, Mm. and I think it's one of the key reasons why they... Haven't revisited this material.
1: So it was because it was around the beach. Um, the beach. Danny yeah. Boyle directed the the uh, film adaptation of this hugely successful Alex Garland novel, The Beach, which, mm. as we know, starred Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. Ewan had assumed because he had done three films by then, Shallow Grave, Train Spotting, and A Life Less Ordinary, with Boyle, they got on really well, and was very, very miffed that he wasn't cast in it. And yeah, they had quite a. Um, I was going to say quite a public falling out. Actually, I think it was quite a private falling out. And they basically had nothing to do with one another for well over a decade, going on two wow. two decades. And um, uh, so you're absolutely right, Jeremy. And um, th- there was talk about ten years ago, apparently, of doing a train spotting sequel. But um, and, and I and I understand that the the sort of film production companies were like, oh, you know, just. Just we'll just cast with whoever we can get at the time, and Danny Boyle was like, "No, if we don't get the actual cast from the the original film, then we're not doing this at all." Mm. And so it was sort of backburned for mm. another many many years. It so it's been a long like, time coming.
2: It seems like a strange idea from the get go, a little bit to, to do a sequel <laughs> to Trainspotting. It's, yeah, it's kind of the film that is almost antithetical to doing a sequel. It's such it's, it's got its own lifeblood. It's so powerful as it is. Mm. Um, but the way it's come out is is very interesting as we'll get into. So, beat the beach.
1: Yes. Sorry to, to yeah, get yeah.
2: off track this early in the piece, but <laughs> is um, is that really horrible? I went on some of the movie it's review fine. shows. I quite like uh, it. Yeah, uh, I, 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 like I remember it. loving that as a kind of sixteen-year-old boy or something. As a
1: novel or the film? The film. Yeah. No. Look. I mean, it's, but all, it's they, a picture. It's slated
2: on the on, on the on the internet. Yeah. Oh, I, I like it. I think it's.
0: Uh... Yeah, I think it's a, a good film. I thought it was quite fun. Yeah, possibly okay. the ending gets a little bit out of whack, but mm. oh, I personally, I, I really enjoyed that movie. Mm. Uh, but Porno, which is the mm.
1: sequel novel, but they, they made a film with that, didn't they?
0: Did oh, they?
1: that I'm not sure of, but certainly not with the, not with this cast, they didn't. So Train no, yeah, Spotting 2 yeah. is drawn from Irvine Welsh's sequel to Trainspotting, in inverted commas, which, as you say, is called Porno, and... Um, and and written by John Hodge, who's the, the sort of long-time collaborator with Danny Boyle on most of his screenplays and whatnot. Mm. So I, I gather that it's probably a bit of a... It, it's partly adaptation, but strongly sort of created by him and Boyle and Hodge oh, yeah. and Welsh to create this sort of new life well, for 20 years know, on.
2: That helps to know that it does draw on porno a bit, mm. because I thought... I thought like they were just going into this and they go on basically set themselves the stage and going, Okay, what are we uh, gonna we do? Wanna, we've got these characters back together and what are we what are we gonna see? And I was like, This is actually pretty impressive, the story they've come up with yeah. around that, but that makes more sense. Actually. What's it's interesting, I hadn't really thought of this, but the film is about reconciliation
0: yeah. and you know when you've got their backstory about Ewan McGregor and Danny Boyle, yeah. This is you know cool. effectively that's their cool. reconciliation project. Absolutely. The yeah, I wonder that's how nice. much of it is a meta connection.
1: We should definitely remind um, viewers, particularly those who haven't revisited old train spotting yet and I would just say at this point I even though Trains T2 purports to be a standalone story and it does a little bit of a it does a reasonable job of sort of expositioning kind of backstory mm. I don't think it's a standalone film at all. So I think you definitely need to refresh your memory of the 96 film. Um, but um and now I've completely forgotten what my point was. The reconciliation? reconciliation? Oh right. Um, Absolutely. So we need to remind viewers that at the end of the 96 film, Renton hoofs it out of a hotel room um, with the £16,000 that they've scammed in this supposedly amazing drug deal. And of course, 16000 quid to us nowadays just sounds like not worth getting out of bed for. Um, and we see him walk off with a smug look down the streets of Edinburgh and that's the end of that. So in a way, it was built for a sequel because mm. we like to go, oh, well, you know, what's happened in the intervening 20 years? And so in the second film... Uh, Renton, Mark Renton, um, returns from living in Holland, actually, in Amsterdam, to Edinburgh. And yes, as you say, Jeremy, has to then reconcile uh, with his old friends, whom he ripped off and hasn't seen for 20 years, uh, reconcile what he has or hasn't achieved in the 20 years of his life. Um, and so it's very much about, yeah, coming to terms with myriad things in mm. life. And I think the beauty of it is it taps into the audience who were approximately the same age yep. when it happened, who may now be looking back at the last 20 years and going, yeah, what have I done with my life? Mm. Hopefully I'm not a junkie, mm. but have I? can I really um, be said to have um, made the most of um, you know, the, the two decades I've, I've mm. had?
0: And just to touch on that point, I would definitely re-watch the first film. Yeah. I, I messaged a friend of mine last night and said, you know, highly recommend T2 Transpotting, and even more so re-watching the first one because I, I describe that as being... Deeply
2: intertwined. Yes, it's it's it's, hugely, hugely. Um, We should actually remind the audience as well that uh, we don't have with us. um, Oh, William! William. I'm sorry, William. William.
1: Um, Um, We were so see we went all Danny Boyle on him, didn't we? we We We're like, we've got this. We're just going to carry on. (laughs) We don't need that guy. Oh, sorry. So
2: next podcast is going to be our reconciliation (laughs) with William. Um, He
1: couldn't be with us today.
2: He's busy.
0: He's actually. We're all teachers, and he's busy working hard with his. Uh, a group who are getting ready for Polyfest, Polyfest, Polyfest yeah. the big um, Polynesian mm. interschools um, cultural competition which is happening in a few weeks. Mm. So um yeah he's got a good cause to not be
2: here. Mm. Yeah. But the best thing about this film I think was the way a, a sequel for me unless it's a classic sequel which is just building on the storyline if it's something like this it's 20 years later or something obviously it, it it's almost impossible not to have a direct relationship with the original as Mm. this one does and Mm. partly because the original is so powerful in itself, this one, which is a, you know, it was a cult film, major cult film, um, captured a whole lot of the the subculture that hadn't been spoken about at the time um, and it treated drugs in a way that hadn't been treated before this. Mm. It actually treated drugs as, um, at the start it kind of treats them as Almost positive, it, it delves into this aspect. You know what? This is so fucking amazing. Yeah, and then later on, it kind of goes, But it's just but it will ruin well. your yeah. life. Mm. Yeah. You're
1: right, I think it's really important, isn't it? You're so right that it actually sort of helped to sell the idea of why these idiots in inverted commas would take drugs in the first place. Because mm. probably those of us who haven't been heroin addicts will go, Well, this is just ridiculous, yes. so just say no. Yeah. But then when choose realise That's right. Mm, but when yeah. you realize why you might want to actually choose heroin,
2: yeah,
1: absolutely, you get it. You get under the skin of these chari- characters who aren't any longer just caricatures yeah. of junkies, but are real people yeah. with real
2: addiction. So it does hormones. some really important kind of excavating of a subaltern kind mm. of mm. Uh, culture sure. that hadn't been spoken and hadn't been read and hadn't been presented to the population at large, but which many people had. Tinglings of at least in their own lives, mm. but I think that the, the satire, you know, yes, hero- heroin
0: as a metaphor for 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 ca- capitalist consumerist living and where right. we find meaning, and I mean that speech, the opening speech in the first film, in the first film is, is so fantastic, mm. you know, which uh, from what I read about the film it was originally in the middle of the movie, and then mm. they needed an opening, so yes. They just yes, moved to the start. And interestingly, without well, I, I'm not really spoiling too much. I thought it was the the, the follow up of that speech in the second film was fantastic. Same. And the way they dealt with it I just really took me by surprise. Yes. And and the way that your McGregor particularly was directed to deliver it yes. was just on par. I thought you have well done team, you have, yes. you have followed up that iconic speech. And I also loved how the film didn't try and open with a bang in that way. Yeah, you know, it just got into the story, mm-hmm. and I was, well, I was, a little bit standoffish. I was, like, I'm not sure about this. Mm-hmm. And by that, by that speech, I was so sold. How does it start again? The, the, new the movie. second film. Yeah, it starts off with Yo um, McGregor's character on a treadmill. That's right, and, and that, that was with, nice. And that was
2: with, well, it's very much yeah. real life, right? This time, yes. starting with real life and moving on back to a, what's the what's that subaltern world doing now? Yeah, so
1: he's a white middle class commercial kind of guy yeah. on a treadmill in a gym yeah. thinking about his health and his ordinary life in yeah. Amsterdam and then everything changes That's, when he goes home.
2: And, and, and well, and he, I don't, you know, this isn't a huge spoiler but he falls straight off the treadmill which I think is great. It's like, it's like, you've got this you've got this thing that you think is really going it's obviously metaphorical this thing that's just going going sweet we're here we're working mm. and then just this pothole just out of nowhere well nothing. then you die just, you know? I mean it yeah, doesn't yeah. die but you know then you know figure yeah. out the we, border, isn't it where did that come from and why is everything so bloody challenging why can't it just go you know
1: yeah mm. that's right
2: I mean I was I
0: had a, had a couple of things going on in, in, in my world on Tuesday and Monday and I thought oh god I've got to watch this transporting and I I mean, I remember loving it, but I was like, I knew some of the content in the film, really heavy content, and I was like, I can't watch A Baby Die Today, you know? Mm -hmm. You (laughs) mean from the first movie? From the first movie, so I re-watched it on, I think, Tuesday night, I just sort of, I thought, oh, an hour and a half, I could do that, and absolutely just loved it, I just thought, Mm. my gosh, this is such a good movie, Mm. and then uh, had quite, I was quite excited about watching the second movie, but didn't have the hugest expectations, I was kind of like, oh gosh what are they going to do like I don't really know why they're making this film mm. and I have to say I, I had I thought it was fantastic and from my point of view this is the, one of the strongest two films that we've compared because mm. I just thought both movies are, are I would quite confidently mm. suggest to people
2: yeah I, I like your I like your talk about um, having things going on in your life like it's a bit of a struggle when you're just like I felt the same I was like I don't really feel like going out to see this movie but even going out to T2, it, like, it was such a reflective place to be, to go into that film. Yes. It does a fantastic job of reflecting on the culture that's around us and um, it was really enjoyable just to be kind of meditative about what's going on around us and yeah, I our think, own lives. I
1: think you're absolutely right, and I, I, I've spoken about the sort of the greater maturity of the second film, and, and it's partly, obviously, because it literally is more mature because it's 20 years older, and so are the characters, mm. but as we've said, there's so much reflection in the film and reconciliation, and then ultimately sort of redemption in the film. Um, and peace, yeah. It's like a search for peace, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and so us as viewers, everybody, I think, everybody is viewers, I mean, I just don't know anybody who's going to see the sequel without having seen the first, and I don't really know any young people who would go see the sequel, because it won't feel for them like the 96 one did for us in 96, if you know what I mean, mm. uh, for some of us. Anyway, the slightly more mature ones around the table, and... Um, And so you're right, the audience is watching T2, feeling what is going on on screen. Obviously slightly different, because most of us probably aren't recovering heroin addicts, but, you know, as I mentioned before, thinking, taking stock of the last 20 years, thinking about friendship. And I just think, you know, I just have so much respect for Danny Boyle as a bloke. He was at the premiere in New Zealand, as a lot of people will know. We don't often get the film director coming here. Tarantino came last year, Boyle came this year. Scotty comes off as a thoroughly nice chap, Mm -hmm. and like so humble and really honest and really lovely about everything, and particularly about this film. And he explained that the way that the oh, that when they were when they were creating T2, they they put it in front of a test audience. and they also did some um uh market research beforehand and they were like, What is it you would really want from a train spotting sequel? And he said that the three things that people came back with were um we want the same cast, um, so definitely it's got to be the same people who are in it. Um, we want a pumping soundtrack, so it's gotta have as seminal a Big soundtrack as the major Yeah, that's right um and he said he was really disappointed that no one said and it's got to be the same director so he, he kind of made a joke at his own expense that you know no one really cared about that i'm trying to remember what the third thing was that people really wanted but it was a very straightforward thing oh no they wanted um the the original boy cast and kelly macdonald and a pumpkin soundtrack and so he thought okay well if we can deliver those sorts of things but he didn't deliver a sloppy sequel did no, he no. he's delivered something thoughtful thought provoking oh, all right
2: it's very impressive and like you said, Jeremy, is just a I think it is very impressive as an example of what Danny Boyle can do. To to, to go back to something like that mm. with so much essence in it and to, to to recreate something of that or reflection on that is really impressive to do it well. So many films have done that crappily. And what I was gonna say earlier was that I think one of the, the ways he does that, you have to reflect on the original, mm. but he doesn't just kind of go um, we're picking up bits from the original and doing them again or anything. Mm-hmm. Or homaging in a way that's no. so cheesy. No, no really, it is a really a reflection on nostalgia. It's a reflection on how do we go back to the past and what does the past yes. mean. Yes. And the best sequels have to do that. They have to, in some ways, burrow into the original and make, make the original different. Yeah. So they don't stand on their own. They, they recognize that there's already a relationship with the original mm. and somehow they have to change each other kind of.
1: You make such an interesting point. Nostalgia, I think, is the key word of this this whole now new franchise. But you make such an interesting point about watching T2, suddenly my understanding of the first film is different. Now, if I remember rightly, in, in Train Spotting 1, there is nothing about those young men's backstory at all. They're, we're thrown into their life. We sort of think, why on earth are these jokers friends? But they are, and we go along with it. The second film is so steeped in backstory and flashbacks to them as children. And mm. suddenly we realise, oh golly, they grew up together. This friendship yep. between Renton and Begbie goes back to first yeah. day of primary school. Yeah. And they, you're right, therefore, that casts the first film in a very yeah. different light, doesn't it?
0: But it also makes a statement about that first film, which is they're taking those relationships so for granted. Mm. And then, yeah, it just completely changes the dynamic of them in that, in the second movie. Just I'm going back to the, the comment, commentary about Danny Boyle and his style. Mm. I just... One of the things that stri- strikes me about this movie, and every film of his that I see, is that there's just such a sense of joy in life, which mm. I guess probably comes out of its personality, yeah. but it's like, <laughs> the, the film about heroin addicts, mm. like I said, I was like, oh gosh, can I go back, and go back in there, but it's just, Isn't it like- really is a celebration of these people, regardless mm. of their addictions. Mm. Um, it's like it's not a Steve McQueen film about, um, you know, the chap hunger and I sort hate of shame. Flipped in 12, years a slave. Yeah, yeah. Shame, I'll never go back and watch, even though I actually quite enjoy So you could
1: imagine Steve McQueen doing heroin oh, in the movie, have, and it would no, be quite a different ballgame. Oh, ball my game. gosh. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Danny Boyle's sort of exuberance. And, and also, I think, I think it, it, it
0: made me realise as I was watching the film last night, um, and there's, uh, you know, there is drug use in the film, and it's like, it, I find it really hard to watch a lot of drug based tv series and films if it glorifies it too much i'm just like no that's been done um and so it needs to have it needs to have weight Mm. it needs to have consequences because that's the reality of of most of the people i know you know i mean you know i've got a lot of friends who take drugs but i've got also a handful of them whose lives have been destroyed by various Mm -hmm. experiences and so I feel like there's a responsibility there. But then on the other hand, if it's too dark and depressing, it's like, why am I watching this? Mm. So yeah. to do it well is, is, is a, you know, for me, The Wire is fantastic. It yes. deals with it well. Um, the transporting films. Um, Requiem for a Dream is really hard to watch. Yes. But I still think it's a brilliant movie. I can't
1: return to it yet. I think I watched it 12 years ago or something. It's I, I damn I've not gone back yet. But, um,
0: yeah. but I, that's why I don't like Breaking Bad. I can't watch Breaking Bad for that reason, you know? Mm. Um so, yeah, I just, I just take my hat to Danny Boyle. He's, he's, he is masterful, and it feels so effortless,
2: but you know that it's mm, yeah. so well-constructed. I think this, most of this podcast has to be dedicated to, to congratulating him, doesn't it? Because yeah. he's just done a fantastic job. Mm. But I think it's interesting how he's... A lot of it's box ticking, which mm. is interesting, but he manages to still pull it off. Like, the way you said, like, that would surprise me, that he, he just went and did market research, like, very much kind some of populist populist kind yeah. of yeah, way right. of doing it not not the not the auteur kind of <clears throat> going okay I, I want to change something which is in some ways what I'd philosophically prefer but the fact that he does that he goes what do you want I can do that I can bring this all together I've got these mm. things so he does that he kind of he re- redoes some of the famous shots from the original without making it sloppy and uses those probably mainly for the trailer and so I watched the trailer and I was like I don't know if I want to see this that, that much it's just kind of Looks it's like going to, to be, be a rehash. bit cheap, it's just going to be yeah, like, yeah. oh, we're doing the same thing again. Um, it's got, it manages to capture the kind of key qualities of the, qualities of the original, it's cheeky, it's surreal, it's exhilarating, it's stomach churning and all very different aspects, you know, it's got the stomach churning aspects of the, the puking. Sca- the scatological stuff, eh? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's there's kind of that, the bros doing crazy things like running around naked in paddocks and um, <laughs> swindling people out of their cash in yeah. a karaoke kind of situation. Delightful scenes. Yeah. Can, can I just say
1: that there are a lot of um, callbacks to the original there film, are, yeah. but that luckily they feel more delightful for the viewer, don't they? Mm, because yeah. you're like, ah, that's just like that scene when blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, rather than it being, as you say, like a, a cheap kind of uh, yeah, a, a shortcut. A gimmick, I, and I hate I that
0: mean. sort of stuff when it feels like you know, oh, it's that kind of like wink wink, nudge yeah, yeah, nudge.
2: Yeah. was like, oh, come on. There was a yeah. couple of moments, maybe, that I, I didn't think they needed to do. You know, the, everybody will know the smile um, that Ewan McGregor gives is the character. Yeah, yeah of of a bit that p- punches I into it. Yes. I thought that was a little bit, didn't really need that on the really second one. I Denim agree with one. you. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you as well. Um,
0: talking about Kelly McDonald, I, and I don't want to say too much about this because it is a nice surprise, but. I was, um, but I I knew she was in the film. But I was sitting there going, "Mm, "What's when's she going to come into it?" Yes. For me, she is just. uh, Mm Your McGregor is an absolute star of the first film, but she is just so fascinating to watch. Mm -hmm. Every scene with her in it, I love her anyway. Yeah. And in the moment you hear her voice before you actually see her, and I was like, "Oh yes." Yes. And you you kind of figure out what her role in the film is.
2: At that point as well. I just thought it was such a quite nice something surprise. Quite uh, quintessential kind of British female about her, I felt. You know like she's so. Scottish? Yeah, oh, British, right. yeah.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. But the thing, the nice thing is her character is so consistent, isn't it? As yeah. A Diane, the young Diane, was young. extraordinarily plucky in that first film. I yeah. mean, she was literally a schoolgirl going to nightclubs in a, nothing but a tiny slinky silver dress and, you know, being incredibly confident um, and it, it, you're so right, Jeremy, it's lovely to see her again. Mm. And she, you know, again, I
0: don't want to spoil it, but I think she gets one of the best lines in the whole film. Yes, yes, and yes. And it, it makes a statement on both her character and Ewan McGregor's character. And yeah. I just, yeah, and I, I love that they didn't, um, they didn't, they could have done more things with, that, with her character and, and kind of ruined it, but, yeah. you know, she, you know, it's, I think it's safe to say she's not a major
2: fixture of the film,
1: but yeah. when no. she is in it, it's, it feels very worthy. There. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
2: Overall, would you? Uh, I assume that you guys think that the original is still far superior to the. To the... Not necessarily. Really? No, yeah. Wow, cause, so I I watched the second one first, and I was and I, when I started watching the first one, I was really happy that I'd done it that way. Oh, really? Because I was like, oh wow, this is like this is so much a bigger experience for me. It felt like well, not in a, no, actually not a bigger experience, but a more tight.
1: So hang on, had you seen
2: Spotting 1? Yes, I had You'd previously, seen it back but not day. for a while. All right, okay, so yeah. I kind of thought, yeah, that is a good film. Watch T2, this is great. Yeah. And then I watched Spotting again, and I was just like, wow, this right. is tight. This is a tight ship. This is... the, the um, I mean, the iconography is just huge the him jumping out of the toilet um yeah and <laughs> him fought, the of... surreal moments really and where yeah. he falls through the the carpet it's just so like so much bigger than the film
1: you're right and, and, it, and it is bravura particularly for someone's second major yeah. film as well back in the day hey? yeah.
2: yeah and um it's just the, the the cinematography is less less flashy although yeah. but like so simple quite stark um the colour scheme is fantastic. Like it's drab, but it's also it's drab, but somehow it has uh, I don't know flashes of kind of brilliance
0: yeah. in it. Yeah. See, I I mean I hear you. I mean I I couldn't remember the first one very well, so I really enjoyed going back and revisiting it. Uh, but I loved the second one. I thought some of the there was for me equally some like there was a shot. In the start of the film when he goes and visits his dad. Yes. And there's the shadow of the mother. Did you yes. see that? Yes. yes and it's his, it's, it's Ewan McGregor's shadow. Yes. I just was and like, that is phenomenal. Yes, and yes. then there's quite a few shots, and again I don't want to spoil too many of these, but all of the suggestions of trains going past. Yeah. yeah. And I just
2: blew yeah. me away some of the some of the filming. Yes, I was gonna say in terms of that's what I thought when I watched this. The chops of the man is just like, he is really doing some like cinema as cinema lovers love it. Mm. You know, in the like, second film. In the second film. Very, very postmodern, even more postmodern, with um, major media saturation. We're jumping through all kinds of shots. Um, but for me, that just felt a little bit more unwieldy in there. As, as well as he did, bringing all, to, all the elements together. Um, it still wasn't quite as tight as the original. I,
1: I think his aesthetic. I think you're right. I think you touch on a, a really important point. If I remember rightly, and, and we've and my household recently rewatched a lot of Boyle's films, so we redid *Shallow Grave* and uh, *Slumdog Millionaire* and whatnot. And there is a ch- so on his uh, in his CV, if you will. If I remember rightly, *Shallow Grave* and the original *Train Spotting* are shot really nicely. But relatively conservatively compared with what he's gone on to do, Slumdog Millionaire is full of Dutch angles. It's Dutch tilt, Dutch Mm. tilt all Mm. the time. And uh, and same with everything since. We watched Trance the other night, Mm. which is constantly... I mean, he might as well have just put the bloody tripod on an angle and just yeah. shot it like that. It's I mean, a strange
0: it's, film. It one. is a
1: strange film and it's trying to be all fancy. Yeah. And um, then T2 as well, boom, boom, it's everywhere. The lights are everywhere. Yeah. The, the, the aesthetic of it is very, very full on. And um, so I see that as definitely consistent with the change that he has made as a filmmaker because he's really unsubtle, mm. particularly things like Slumdog Millionaire. You know, it is all, as I keep saying slow-mos and dutch angles and bright lights and all that sort of thing back in the day back in train spotting day It was the story really wasn't it? I mean you're right. It was the falling down between the carpet It was the baby on the ceiling It was the going into the toilet and all those things blew our minds in 96 because you didn't really see that kind of thing
0: and, and it, came, you know, it came out at a time when 90s re- realism was at yeah. its height so you know throwing it was very real, but then it was very absurd mm. as well surreal mm. surreal that's right yeah. whereas
1: now it's sort of like his camera work has almost taken over from this has become not it isn't surreal but it's become the bigger thing yeah mm. do you know what I mean yeah totally um I mean to talk back
0: to your point um max i mean i i I don't think it's personally I thought they were on par with each other, and I think sequel expectations i typically find are so astronomically yeah. high yeah that. I will take a fantastic sequel, and you know, and kind of, am I? And also, transporting one hit it such a nerve,
1: yeah, and became such
0: a cultural phenomenon. So you can't <clears throat> repeat that. No, How you know, can you... Repeat? I would
1: have been really wary if I was him making T two. Yeah, definitely, because yeah. he could have messed that up.
0: And I, so. I mean, I think that it reminded me a lot of the Before Sunrise series, you know, and that it was this, you know, nine years later with those each of those films. Yeah. There's that sense of nostalgia, but they have moved on. Yes, and. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if in, in ten or twenty years they bring out a third one. What well, how we how we will feel about the whole series?
1: That's a really interesting analogy, given that the before films uh, or the sunrise sunset films are so different, sort of um, thematically. I loved the second one. Mm. Uh, so we had Before, before Sun- Sunrise and before then Before Sunset. Sunset. Before Sunset, for me, was the superior film. Yeah, and then I agree. Before Midnight, before... Yeah, I quite like that, um, really. Yeah, it was fine. Mm. But by then, I was like, I don't really want to see you guys going through all this anymore. So mm. personally, I'm not looking forward to a T3. Because I don't think I'm that interested in what happens to them. I love seeing them now. Mm. They're pretty much my age.
0: But if, um, if, if in 20 years they'll be almost 70.
1: Yes, but I don't. I mean, <laughs> but what will they have done? I mean, do I really want to see that Big B's continued the way he was? Do I really want to see that Spud has continued the way he was? You know the
0: whole story of Big B and how Robert Carlyle played him? No. As a as a closeted homosexual man, no, oh, and so that was wow. very heavily hinted at in the second one when he couldn't get oh, it up with his, with his wife.
1: I didn't know and that. And that his
0: his rage comes from
1: his, his impotence, su-
0: his suppressed, brilliant, his suppressed homosexuality, and
1: and so and his impotence, quite yeah. right, literally.
0: Yeah. Wow. And so it's interesting that he, you know, when he does get it up, I was thinking, hmm. I mean, they suggested it for, right. for, for violence. But, yes, that's yeah. right.
1: That is fascinating.
0: Yeah.
2: I I love. Or is it, it for Ewan? Well.
1: well i
2: don't, I don't know
1: <laughs> well then it gets into sort of bro, maybe not um sort of um homoerotic in uh inferences but certainly bromance mm. Uh, mm. The, the whole business does not it um yeah that's right and all these men with really dysfunctional uh heterosexual relationships or non-existent mm. heterosexual relationships and this very very strong sort of um brotherly uh, commitment to one another. Renton is deeply loyal to Spud, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I always the, there's also the <laughs> comment from the, um,
0: the girlfriend about them sleeping with each other. Yes, that's it? right.
1: Why don't I just leave you yeah, yeah, to it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I love how in this film, it was so subtle and it was never referred to. I loved how they all just instinctively called one another Mark Simon, it had changed, Daniel, it? Mm. yeah, that's right, Franco, it. and and yeah, they're all suddenly calling each other by their given names. I thought that was really quite charming. I thought it signalled this maturity or ostensible maturity that had gone on. You know, Spuds had a kid now. Um, and um, Simon is sort of, you know, uh, Simon Sick Boy is, is. I didn't even know who sort Simon of was. I remember this Simon, I was like, <laughs> oh, well, who's well, Simon? Well, this then, is it. Apart from Mark Renton, I don't think we ever heard anybody called by their real name in the first film. Yeah. And
0: yeah. it was only
1: because Diane called him Mark, because she wasn't going to call him Renton or Rentboy.
2: Mm. Um
1: But suddenly they're calling Begbie Franco and Francis the whole time, you know. And I don't know, I just, I really liked that. I felt really. Wa- the funny thing is, my, over- my overriding feeling in the second film was I felt so warmly towards them and I felt so happy and comfortable in myself to be back with them, which mm-hmm. is really weird because I don't think I had that strong an attachment to the first film. I thought it was terrific. I thought mm. it blew my mind, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I hardly wanted to hang out with them. And for some reason, it felt so nice yeah. to be back with them. Yeah. My husband, I, 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 my male husband, is what I'm saying. He found it very, very emotional and quite. And, and you know, I, I think he even shed a few tears through it. And I was not teary at all through the second film. But I think it kind of, it kind of affected all of us. In some quite well, deep, I, I meaningful think, way.
0: I think it's that, I, it's that real, mm-hmm. realization that actually, you know, I had some really strong friendships at that time of my life that I took for granted. Mm. I, I can relate to that. Mm. And you know, I'm not quite 47, I'm only 30. But you know, you think about my, my 19, 20, 21, 22 years, university years, mm. and I have lost touch already with some people that I think, oh man, you know, or even high school friends that I've reconnected with through Facebook yeah. and, and have yet to actually meet up again in person, you know. You, and you, I probably, you, you do get to that, as you get older, you start to realise what's important in life. Mm. That's right. And, and the, the, whether it's an addiction to heroin, or, or, or obsessions that you have, or your goals in life, or your yeah. ambitions, actually, what matters is people, and, yeah. and that's very heavily in the DNA
2: of the second film. True. Spud, what's Spud's real name? Um, Daniel Murphy. Daniel. Oh, no, I mean, they... in, the, in the film. Is it? Does Daniel it? Murphy. Oh, yeah, Daniel. Okay. Daniel Murphy, but he's, yet, he's, okay.
1: Ewan, he's Ewan Bremner. Interest, interesting trivia fact, ladies and gentlemen. When the original Train Spotting happened, Ewan Bremner, who plays Spud, was playing Renton on the stage because yeah. the theatrical production of Train Spotting was already happening in the West End. I think it was the what West End. Well, I think it was West End, not Broadway. And he was Renton and he wanted to be Renton, but Boyle cast Ewan McGregor instead and then made him Spud. Now, flipping act, McGre- you look at Ewan Bremner's face 20 years on. He could only be Spud with that... I mean, he looks aged, doesn't he? I mean, we all look aged, but, you know, he looks aged with his, and his bulging eyes and his kind of his, his gurning and his sort of over-the-top sort of acting. I just can't... Yeah. I would never have been able to no. see him as the vaguely attractive, you know, sure. virile Mark Renton, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, just speaking about how much... how enjoyable it is to be in the presence <laughs> of these characters, yeah. um, they do a great job with Spud and his. Delving into his kind of story a bit more, and he does this writing in the film, which is just beautiful. It's beautiful, it's which beautiful. by the way yeah. Is, yeah. is word for word the the, the novel. Oh,
1: right, yeah,
2: um, I
0: I also I don't know if you picked this up, but the the title "Train Spotting." I mean, it's never explained in the <clears> first film. <throat> But there's a hint to it in the second movie, and I don't want to say how or why, but did you pick that up? Well, I think in the
1: intervening 20 years, so we can spoil it, I think, because it is a term. Yeah, yeah. Train spotters are people in, usually Britain, who do hang out on train platforms in their Macintoshes with their hats and their notebook and their binoculars, and they they train spot and they note down the numbers of all the trains. Mm. And it's kind of an addictive, I suppose. It's a relatively harmless but quite nerdy hobby. But you're right. In the first film, there is a scene of them standing on a platform. But other than that, there is a. Well, so
0: okay, well, I and mean, there's not really yeah. a huge spoiler. No, yeah. there's that, um, There's a scene where they, where one of the characters is reading back the, one of the stories, and it's a memory of them all drunk on a train on a dilapidated train platform that's going to be broken down. And it's mm. Bugbee that says, "Oh, you, you blokes train spotting," you know. And of course, that's and then that story continues to mm. be quite a revelatory moment for Bugbee. Yeah. big Big but yeah, I thought it was interesting that the second mm. film sort of explains the title. The
1: second film explains heaps, doesn't it? Yeah. it as I say, it explains their provenance and how they met and mm. how everything kicked off. Mm. Interestingly, another trivia, but you may have read this in interviews as well, but um, Danny Boyle said this at the premiere, that the way they came up with the title is, he thought, well, what on earth are we going to call this film? And he thought, well, what would Renton, Begby, Spud, and Sick Boy have called, what would they consider to be the best Sequel movie will oh, probably be Terminator Two. Yeah, so that's why they decided they'd call it T Two Train Spotting just to piss off James Cameron. No, I think he said right. he
0: wouldn't do it. I read that he. Danny Boyle wouldn't choose that title unless he got the blessing from James James. Cameron. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, but right. I didn't know that that actually... But it was actually, because he was...
1: thought, what were the characters? What would they <laughs> consider to be the best ever cool. sequel? Yeah. You know, even maybe better than the first movie. Although well, we'd probably say Aliens, but what are you going to do, Trainspotting? Well, I, no.
0: yeah, I would say Aliens, but I do love, <laughs> I do love the original T2.
1: But I love T2, yeah. Well, I mean, just
0: to connect to other films, I did not, when I first watched uh, Trainspotting years ago, pick up the Clockwork Orange references... You know, with this, you know, Clockwork Orange about this young, um, young uh, sort of anti-social youth with his friends, and also the way the story's written, the novel is written in this kind of
1: uh, uh, bo- boy- dialect. A voiceover, but oh, I see what you mean, know, the, the yeah, yeah, novel yeah.
0: of Clockwork Orange, the novel of Transpotting, there's right. a great connection there that they both are written in a very hard-to-understand <laughs> mm. dialect. Um, but then you've got overt references to Clockwork Orange when they go into the club and there's the Malocco milk bar. Right, of oh And then there's the scenes with the parents in the home Right. Um, and then trying to help their son. Uh, and it's just, it's the voiceover, it's, it's very much a, a connection. And in fact, Danny Boyle specifically cast Ewan McGregor. And just thinking about Malcolm McDowell right. in Clockwork Orange.
1: I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And I now realise there are other things that I don't want to spoiler but that may be used. From the first in, one? Uh, no, in the second film, there's, um, there are some props, if you will, that are used in a, a particularly uh, yes, important true. scene. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Um, that one may recall from such films as Clockwork Orange. So, yeah. yes, indeed.
0: And, uh, I mean, I just, I just it hit me quite strongly that I thought... This is really very overt and, and really quite impressive. Yeah. Because I feel like it's, to me, it's on par with, with Clockwork Orange, as yeah. being a great commentary wow. on youth and life and human impulses in within society. society yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But it also, of course, signals to the observant viewer, such as yourself, Jeremy. I imagine that something in your brain then also feels that undercurrent of, of the sinister. Because yeah. there's always something in Trainspotting too. There is always this, this um, looming kind of thrilliness to it, not least because uh, Begbie and Renton aren't immediately reconciled. And so, you know, there's always <laughs> this sense that something's going to go wrong or full on mm. or happen or... It's a great tension, a really tension. good tension. I think tension is exactly the word and I'm there's, there's for not that the first one. The first one, like no. I said, is a much more episodic yes.
0: film. Uh, whereas this second one, it's, it's uh, yeah, you, you, it focuses on four characters, they each get their space, but there is yeah. that overlying tension that, you know, Big B's escaped from prison and he's, he's, and there he's and seeking startle- revenge. He, it, it is kind of like a thriller, isn't <coughs> it? it's, it's, right.
1: a, it's a whole And the, revenge and, revenge. And,
2: and the um, yeah, and the climax, that was there was one thing about it that felt very different for me. Mm. Is, yeah. Because it didn't feel like an action movie, obviously, but, but it comes to the end and I was like, Wow, we're getting a really big finale here, you know. It really? reminded me of Blade Runner. It was like almost identical yeah. to Blade
0: Runner with um, Deckard and um, and Roy Batty, yeah. you know, being ch- chasing him, chasing him around. And it's and I thought it was very similarly shot, uh, beautifully shot. Both both I love Blade Runner, but the lighting and the, the mm. visual effects and the, the dripping, leaking roof mm. and things. Yeah. And mean ultimately, it's about uh, don't give it away. Yeah, but I'm not giving it away. But in oh. terms of Blade Runner and, and the sort of right. questions of life and meaning, and yes. yeah. and and, uh, and.
1: But you're yeah, right. But you're right. It is a big action finale, yeah, which I'm... is unusual, but it is in keeping with later Danny Boyle because it's right. in keeping with Slumdog and. So um, that's, trance. Yeah, and, twenty-eight days later. And so, yeah, that's really I, right. I think it's
2: so interesting though, because so much of it's about time and memory and stuff like that. Mm. But then, and, and you're saying even the the climax is about that. Mm. But at the same time, it doesn't because it's turned into an action image, it's, which is purely based on the movement of the characters rather than the time. Yes. Um, it does kind of undercut <laughs> itself a little bit. I felt like the, the start of the movie, most of the movie, does some really fantastic things with time, and it feels like we're not really we're not moving through time in a just a A to B kind of fashion, which is what I love about you know episodic nature of the of the first one. Mm. It's kind of a the sense of time is just very different. Mm. But when you get to the action image, it's just like you're there, you're going through time very linearly. It
1: feels like a different sort of movie. And so I but don't really like, like it Boyle in some movie. way.
2: But yeah. yeah, very Danny Boyle, yeah. but just took me out of it a little bit in terms of. Where we've come from.
1: Yeah, I, I remember thinking at the time this feels very disjointed and yet nonetheless wholly enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, And normally I'd be very critical of disjointed. If things lack coherence uh, or cohesiveness, then I, I would usually, you know, dock them stars for that sort of thing. I went into it with girded loins, as you did, Jeremy, because I thought, you know, well, what sort of sequel is this going to be? And how on earth can you follow up something like Train Spotting, which was so particular in, its, mm. in every aspect of itself? And, and luckily, I'd sort of had wind from the UK reviews that it was largely positive. So I went in thinking, all right, well, we'll see how this goes, and was pleasantly thrilled. So I feel it is as good as it could possibly be. I can't think of anything that I would have changed about it, although I have noted there were a few moments that felt a bit disjointed or a bit gratuitous or a bit whatever. But it feels like the second film is consistent with the, the sort of the tone of the first. I loved the, the maturity, and in inverted commas, of its acknowledging we're 20 years on this is what young people this is what these young men have grown into I love the updating of obviously with the choose the new choose life speech had to be updated um, and I thought that was really beautifully done as well as beautifully delivered so for me it was satisfying 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 I I think some of the artistic choices for me were a little curious in terms of the constant flashbacks to them as 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 children and I do think that Danny Boyle has become a director who throws everything in every aesthetic choice into his Mm. movies now and and maybe 90% of them stick and are right and 10% I might go well if I'd been your editor maybe I would have said oh do we really want to do that Mm. Um, but whatever I'll give it you know I feel like I'll give it to him I'll forgive him because the 90% is so terrific if you know what I
2: mean yeah I'm very much on your same page I think that 90% 90% of it works fantastically. I'd still probably I'd give it five stars. It's a fantastic movie. And it's a, I think most of all, it's a massive accomplishment for Danny Boyle to be able to come back to this. Mm. That is just absolutely amazing that you could come back to a film with such a specific aesthetic and to create anything that even has any kind of standing next to transporting the original 20 years later is amazing. But I just think we do, he does wear a bit of the challenges of becoming a bigger director with more power i think that for me that's the thing that happens is when people get this kind of power suddenly they can do what they want and there's less uh constraints and it it becomes a little bit more flaky there's a little bit too much going on maybe at, at different points excellent well thank you listeners for listening
0: we hope you enjoyed our discussion of transpotting and t2 transpotting and make sure you check us out in a month's time for our next Cinema in Context podcast. Until next time, down.